have a big week ahead of us, but welcome to another episode of Peace and Resist. I'm Vic, your host, joined by many members of Antifa, but not in the way that you're thinking. We have the head of head chef of Antifa, Luke, how you doing? What's up? We also have the Antifa soup tester, Alice. What up, guys? Not much. We have Grandpa of Antifa. How you doing, Seven? I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling kids. <laughs> and then we have the cat of Antifa. What's up, cat? Hi. We haven't had you on the show in the past couple of episodes, but we're glad to be back. Huh. Yeah, so this week, uh, we said right before the show started, we were talking about how this week was primarily, uh, I would say, infrastructure and uh, building of, uh, you know, building of community, as well as there was one protest, and I think we're going to kick it off with talking about the protest since it was the most recent thing. Um, it was something that I did not attend, but uh, Gramps and the Soup Tester uh, were out there at the Women's March. So uh, I have, I know nothing. I didn't even watch any of the streams. I took a day off with... Uh, you know, have uh, some family stuff. So uh, I don't know who wants to take, you know what, we'll let the lady that was in attendance uh, speak. So Alice, how was the Women's March? Actually, can you give us a little bit of information about like what it was about? Yeah, so it was put on by the newly formed uh, Red Cloak Society of Central Oregon, which is a nationwide initiative to bring awareness to um, our impending rights that are up in the air. Um, it was put on by two groups, Central Oregon Diversity Project, and I, I wasn't really sure who the other group was. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really, really nice. There was about um, 150 people showed up, um, probably like 20, maybe 15, I don't know, maybe less of the cloaked women. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool. We had a couple speakers just you know, talking about how we need to keep the movement forward and that working on women's rights is really um, taking a step back when we have so much else to fight for. So it was pretty, pretty good. All the organizers made sure to um, keep it, quote unquote, on the up and up, out of the street and all that. Um, you know, it was pretty peaceful for the most part. Right on. Um, I did, I did see, uh, some screen grabs from the March and I did see all of, uh, the women that were wearing the red cloaks and the white, uh, the white hoods, uh, similar to, you know, as a throwback to, um, the name of the show is escaping me now. Um, Handmaiden's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. And okay. So if we can, can we talk about that show for a second? Um, ha has everyone watched it? No? Okay, so Kat, you have. Alice, you haven't. Uh, Grandpa, you saw it? Oh, yeah, I've watched it. Okay, so first of all, the one thing that I that really disturbs me about that show is the flashbacks where you start seeing things deteriorating and going the way they are when Gilead starts really making its headway. And the reason why it really it's eerie to me is because I can see certain parallels to 
what we're dealing with in modern times um, with attitudes of people and what have you. And right now it's not really necessarily directed at women, if you will. It's more so directed at uh, other marginalized groups. Um, But I, you know, and then you start seeing parallels to different uh, religious groups that uh, have certain judges that were part of that, that were part of them. And uh, you you know, it, it all uh, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, it all spurs from uh, lower um, pregnancy rates and fertility rates in women, and that's where that show kind of gets its uh, its kickoff. But really, all it takes is just that small mar- that small uh, radicalized group to really think that they could overthrow, and it, it kind of just blows my mind how quickly it could devolve into something ridiculous like that. Um, so using that imagery, I think it, with how serious that show is, uh, I think it's definitely a stark contrast, the, you know, you know, with the heads down and not really saying anything, um, did the community response, how, how was that, Alice? It was pretty awesome. Um, the first time, for the first time we saw a Biden truck, um, little parade, which was cool. Um, especially because most of the cars are eco-friendly, so they're not like gassing us out all the time. Um, there was one- <laughs> trying to roll coal with an electric truck. <laughs> right, well, it was, more, it was more so like Priuses and Subarus and things right. like that, but there was one big truck and someone had come up to me and they were like, isn't it so nice and refreshing to see a Biden big truck? And um, that was really refreshing. And uh, one day they'll just be, loud trucks and not be an enemy. Seven really made a, um, a good point uh, when we were at another event saying that, you know, I correlate red hats with, you know, this and rolling coal with this. Like one day they won't have that association, but for now they do. We're definitely going to speak about that event here in a little bit. And uh, Seven, uh, that comment that you made, we will definitely dive into a bit because that was pretty heavy. Um, but, you know, I'm glad that, you know, you had such great attendance out there. Uh, Seven, you were out there more so in a security capacity, yeah? Yeah, I was out there. Um, you know, the, the safety team was out there. Um, you know, it wasn't our event. Um, it was... Um, um, we were just there in support and that was, that was nice to kind of go back to our roots of, of just being there, you know, in a, in a, in a service role. And, and that was really nice. And it was, it, for one thing, it was really nice that we didn't really have any work to do. Um, for once we had, you know, uh, we, we had one guy who was, uh, just, Walking around, older gentleman walking around. I don't know what his motivations were, but he was walking around taking pictures of specifically women's faces. And a, a couple of women asked me to have a conversation with him about it. And so I respectfully said, hey, if you're going to be taking pictures of, of people's faces, then you need to get consent first and you need to ask. And he got pretty upset about that. Um, and he just left. Um, OK, that's fine. Um, and I think that was about as bad as anything ever got at that event, which was a really refreshing change. That's weird. I, that, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. That's gross. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, I mean, at least and it doesn't sound like you had really any counters. 
so that's good. Um, you cut out. I mean, what did you say? What was that again? You cut out. What did you say? Oh, I said it, it didn't seem like you guys had any uh, counter protesters out there uh, that were trying to detract. So that's good uh, that you guys were able to actually get that, get out there, make that statement, continue making those statements and standing out and standing up. I'm, uh, and I think there's another one that's coming up this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's something to note that, um, as peaceful as this protest was, um, I mean, it's the same, we're asking for the same thing. We're asking for equal rights. And the fact that there were no counter protests at this event, versus a Black Lives Matter event really speaks volumes within the community, um, which, you know, I was happy that it was a good event, but I was also like very aware that we had no counter protests for this sort of thing. And also that KTVZ decided to totally disregard that CODP put this event together as a partnership. Um, it was all about the other group, which still they didn't even talk about that group. So just really, you know, again, disappointed in the media for not, um, you know, celebrating our groups, our community groups. Well, here, here's the beautiful part about that is while, the, well, I wouldn't say beautiful, but here, here's the part about that, that I, that gets me excited. Um, and I used this analogy uh, the other day when I, when we were at the uh, event that we'll be talking about next. Um, but if anyone has seen that movie uh, Shawshank Redemption, there's a scene where Andy Dufresne, the main character, is wanting to get, uh, I believe it's a music library brought to the prison. And he's writing a letter to the commission every single week. He's writing a letter and he's writing a letter and they finally send him a letter back saying, okay, thank you so much for all the letters. We got them all. Please stop sending the letters. We'll send you over a couple of records or whatever. And they're like, hey, it's a win. And he said, yeah, it's a win. He goes, and now I'm going to start writing two letters a week. That's the thing. When it comes to, when it comes to this, they're expecting us to kind of, you know, stop giving them attention. So, you know, you, all, you always see that, you know, from the aggressors and, you know, the Trump supporters and all that. Stop giving them attention. You know, they're coming up for their mother's basements, blah, 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 blah. Well, what they don't realize is that we are here to make change we are here to bring about change that will make the community safe for the for everyone not just the ones that wear the red hats this and we are going to do things uh to you know we are going to make appropriate legal changes we're going to do everything according to you know that is legal and according to the law what have you and once we start once we get that foot in the door we are going to we're going to double our efforts, make sure that we are heard, make sure that they don't just placate so that way they can try to get us to shut up. We're going to keep on going. And you're right. It's incredibly telling that there were no counter protesters. It's incredibly telling that KTBZ uh, specifically didn't speak about uh, CODP's involvement being that is run by two black women. It is incredibly telling that they always leave out the facts that speak about good that these organization, uh, orga, organizations are doing. They leave them out completely. And it's about time that we really start putting uh, putting a spotlight on them because we are part of this community. We're not going anywhere. And you're going to have to deal with it. And I hate the fact that I have to say you're going to have to deal with it. But they will realize that we are not some spooky boogeyman. We're, we're, we're not something to be feared. 
we are, you know, I mean, like I've said this a billion times, we bring the spice to the table. We bring the flavor to those meals. We bring, you know, we, we bring those accents. Go ahead. You, you want to say something? No, I'm just, we bring the spice. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, hey, you have to have spice if you're going to have soup, right? Um, for our family. <laughs> so, uh, but we, speak, we keep on teasing this other event that we were involved in. Um, and this other, this other event was called uh, the Decency Project. Um, now, I was part of the planning committee for that. Um, one thing, again, we already, and yes, I am calling out KTVZ because they irritate me so much right now. Um, they posted a picture of a sign. First of all, there was no press that was invited to this event, like none whatsoever. We, this was supposed to be a closed door restorative justice event. This was, sorry, uh, you, you want to say something, Kat? So it was leaked? Yeah, so it, it got leaked somehow. Don't know. Don't know how it got leaked, but someone, so it got mentioned. Maybe it was on someone's calendar or something. I don't know. But we had, uh, we were having it out at uh, the, um, uh, the Chutes uh, County Fairgrounds. And, uh, you know, again, it was just this closed door thing. It was, and it was a full day event. Um, and it was taking uh, four criminal cases. It was supposed to be five, but it ended up being four, four criminal cases. And they were supposed to, and what was happening with this was uh, there was a victim and then there was an assailant and they were, they were going to be on stage and they had to actually have a conversation. Uh, but it was really, really cool how they did it because it was supposed to be the, each side was supposed to speak about their backgrounds, where they came from. So you can get to know, what their motivation may have been. And then it gets it to a point to where they actually then, uh, they have a mediator who is a doctor from New York um, and he is uh, a, a licensed psychologist and he's, you know, he's written books and written all these articles and all these great things. And then they were supposed to have a conversation back and forth. And then it was opened up to the public to, for the public to be able to ask questions or have a form of discourse uh, with the people on the stage. And then it went to the next criminal case. Ultimately, not to do anything to get people out of any form of sentence or anything like that. And this was actually the brainchild of one of the peacekeepers uh and he because he had a gun pulled on him and unfortunately the person that that came up with the idea he being that the peacekeeper was the victim the assailant backed out of the entire thing so that was really really disappointing um but the uh the, the I, I i will start out and i know that alice you and grandpa were there as well I was disappointed with how the first one derailed the first, the, 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 the first uh, two people derailed the, the situation. I'm not going to go into each situation really, but we all felt, including the audience felt that it started turning into a bit of a Trump rally by proxy uh, by yeah. the, uh, by the aggressor. Um, and, uh, no, and actually, he was, oh, no. he was the victim technically. Yes. He was the victim. You're right. I, I, I correct. Uh, Aren't I, they always, <laughs> it, it reminds me of, again, I, I do a lot of movie, uh, movie references. It reminds me of Adam's family values when Wednesday and the preppy girl are standing on the pier and she's like, they're like, all right, we're going to do a drowning exercise. And the little preppy girl goes, 
I'll be the victim. And Wednesday says, all your life. <laughs> that is literally how it feels. But uh, yeah, he um, ended up getting manhandled by a gas station attendant uh, based on the fact that he was uh, mouthing off to two young women that were making fun of his Trump flags and his Trump signs and all the stickers and everything. And it was really, I don't want to linger on this guy too much or on this one, but it was frustrating because, I mean, the guy straight up denied that there's any, any form of systemic racism. The guy was still saying, I just want people to be nice, you know, be nice and everything. And yet he then speaks out the other side of his mouth and talks about saying he shouldn't call uh, Democrats dumbass crats, but just call them democrats. And he still justified his stance. So it was like he didn't really learn anything. You know, but, but you know, that brought about the conversation of don't talk about things that you don't know about mm -hmm. as well. That was brought up by another participant of the event. Um, and that analogy of the elephant was really good where you know, they had said, you know, you see the front of the elephant and we see behind where, and then it was expanded to, you know, the Villapak sees the whole elephant, front and back and each side where, you know, white privilege just shows you the head. Mm -hmm. So I, I thought that I, was a good. I will call out, uh, I, I will say by name just because he is a very powerful speaker. Dalton uh, was there and he was the one that made that comment about seeing the entire elephant, not just the trunk, not just the tail, but seeing the entire thing. And his words made me tear up a bit when he was, I mean, because it was it, like, I've, I've listened to this man speak several times and I've never heard the level of gravitas and sorrow in his voice any other time other than when he was speaking and when he, he's not even addressing the dude on stage, he turns around and looks at the audience and he's like, you know, we've been in your houses. We plowed your fields. We made your food. And then like his voice didn't break, but you could hear the emotion well up when he said, we suckled your children and we still did not have we still did not have the respect or that place at the table because then we were pushed out. We've seen all sides of the coin and all you saw us as was just the labor, the help. And, and now you, you can't go and just deny what we're feeling. This is 400, 400 plus years of just absolute, just horrendous treatment we, you know, these are things that we see on a day-to-day -day basis. You can't deny that these are things that we're actually experiencing. So what we're trying to do is actually get everything all, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to get that playing field back to being level, not to where there's one person that's at the head and then everyone else is below. Every, and just because everyone is the same doesn't mean that you're going, you're going to be below. So, I mean, that's, that's, that, that was really, really good. But then, uh, the second one actually involved, and uh, Luke had to drop off, but um, one thing that uh, the second person involved actually was Luke. I wish he was back on uh, for us to be able to discuss it, but I will say it involved a rolling coal incident. Uh, Grandpa, do you want to explain what rolling coal is? Uh, um, rolling coal is how insecure white men uh, with, 
<laughs> um, rolling coal is how insecure young white men uh, express themselves without knowing how to use their words. It's one of many ways that they do that. Um, and so, yeah, so we'll be out at we'll be out at protest events and these uh, the, these guys with insecurity issues and great big diesel trucks roll by and uh, they modified their trucks such that they waste gas and belch smoke at people standing on the street. Uh, and it's uh, just one of the many physical displays of toxic masculinity that these guys use to make themselves feel okay about the fact that their dads never hugged them. Um, I don't know. Did I get all the technical details right there? I think you got it all. Alice calls it uh, farting, truck farts. (laughs) But let's not, let's not uh, limit it to just young, young men because it is for all the ages of stupid this is very, very true. Um, so, so Luke was on stage with this one, and it was with a younger guy that uh, had went out to the first, uh, the first protest that happened here in Bend uh, when uh, George Floyd was murdered, and uh, this was on, I believe, May twenty fifth. And the guy, you know, and the the kid, uh, you know, he was he was explaining his side, and there was a lot, you know. The thing is, I I heard a lot of youth in his voice, like, and when I say youth, I mean there there was a bit of youthful immaturity uh, of trying to figure out how. And, and I hate saying it like that because I don't want to belittle the fact that it did take some courage for him to get on stage and actually talk about that and talk about where he was coming, and, you know, why he was out there. Now, uh, you know, it, it I don't know how truthful all of it was, but he at the very least was making an attempt to explain what happened. He went in, how it was, a lot of it was influential from his friends. Um, And there was just a lot that went into it. And then I will say that throughout all of it, once it, once it made it to the audience participation portion, seven, you said, and I and I don't want to butcher it. I don't know if you'll be able to say it like you said it while you were there, but you said something about the whole rolling cold that I've I felt that in my soul, dude. Oh yeah, what I mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think you might be able to give us a quick recap on that? Um, I can I can try. Yeah. Um, what I what I said is that rolling there there was a lot of talk throughout the entire event about about signaling and about uh, the signals people send and then how they're received. And I said that, you know, to him, it may have just been like a prank or, you know, just literally just blowing smoke, right? Mm -hmm. But I said, what you have to understand is that for us on the other end of it, um, the smoke comes first every time. And so when I was attacked, a couple of weeks ago, the smoke came first and then the racial slurs against my friends came after that. And then the physical attack came and then the guns came out. And that for him, rolling coal is just blowing smoke. But to me, uh, rolling coal is also every death threat that Luke has ever gotten. And so every time somebody comes to a protest and rolls coal, 
I have, I think to myself, is this the guy who's going to kill my friend? Yeah. Yeah. That was when you said that, like I literally, my head popped up first and then I look around and I'm looking at the BIPOC uh, participants that were there and just watching like they, their bodies were having actual physical reactions to those words. Like, like I could see some kind of shake a little bit. I saw tears welling up in some of their eyes and those words were so, they were profound, dude. Like they, they seriously uh, were, it, it, it hit all of us because it, it was truth. And then I look back up at the kid and he's kind of like, like he was like that, that took a lot of air out of that kid's sails when you put it in a way that I think he could actually understand. But I also, I also have to agree with the, the mediator who found a lot of similarities uh, in uh, some of the earlier stages of both Luke and his lives. Um, that was, uh, I, and I found that, uh, you know, that you guys had very similar motivations of, you know, where, how life got brought you to bend. Um, so I thought, I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Um, and also uh, Luke has rejoined and I don't know whether or not it'll pan out to anything really, but Luke, you said just really quick, you said you had some breaking news. Uh, yeah, apparently some guys hanging off the side of Trump Tower in Chicago right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a way to uh, get to them, I guess. Yeah, CJTV's there. CJTV's a big media guy now. Yep. Uh, independent media. He's literally just, this is what's happening right now. That little black dot is somebody like mad and wanting to talk to Donald Trump. <laughs> It's the same. It's the fly. Life imitates art. Oh yep. my god! I oh. told somebody before, and it didn't like it didn't work out. I don't think they got a meeting. He literally has like a rope. He's like hanging on by a rope. Oh yeah. shit! Yeah, he's wow. just sitting there in like a like a harness, just hanging out. <laughs> Can we all do that though? <laughs> I'm afraid of hiding something now. Okay, well, I'll be, the, I'll be the one. But we need to get a group of flies just all chilling off of buildings. I think that'd be epic. Oh, that'd be hilarious. No. Next, that's my next direct action. <laughs> just go hang fly on the, the wall. Direct that's action, why fly on the wall. That's, so, that's why they're so scared. You know, th this, this year is so freaking weird um with how everything is but i will say that was something that was brought to uh, i was talking to my aunt the other day and i think i may have shared i may have shared this with either luke or grandpa um but really the way i look at uh and it actually kind of starts back in 2016 when the election happened then that was kind of like finding out uh, that you're unexpectedly pregnant Okay, you have, and then over the course of four years, you're dealing with this baby growing inside of you, and it changes your body, and you you have morning sickness and afternoon sickness and night sickness and day uh, all day sickness and you're alien growing inside of you. No, like yeah. what what's that movie with Damon? That little like kid. Oh, Damien, uh, Omen. Yes, the Omen. Yeah, 
That's more like the omen. And, and we, you know, we're getting stretch marks in this country and whatnot. But I feel that May twenty fifth, when George Floyd was murdered, was our water breaking. And now we've been in passive labor for five months, and you know, we're we're getting contractions, and it's painful, and we're having to breathe and exhale a lot and take breaks, and ooh, it's starting to hurt a little bit. And then we get close to, you know, now we're what, 17 days out from the election? And now we're in active labor. Now, yeah, that's the due date. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and things are hurting now. Thing, you know, now we're like, we need an epidural. We need a shot. We need, we need something. We need some, we need some painkillers because this- Talk is, about this the is... epidurals, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about this. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I just gave her our name, so I'll bleep that out. Um, but uh, my wife, she had, you know, we we have a couple kids, and she had uh, an epidural for one of them, and honestly, it was botched. It was a botched epidural, um, and so and that causes more scar tissue. So that actually plays into the analogy because you and we're sitting here, and I think November third is going to be like the baby's crowning, and. Whether, you know, once that baby, you know, um, during the act of labor right now, we're hemorrhaging a little bit. We're dealing with all this pain and all this turmoil. And when that baby comes out and we figure out who wins this election, we're going to either be like, oh, my God, this is devil baby. And we have, you know, and we have another set of four years to have to deal with trying to raise this troubled child or we actually have a baby that we can actually now all right this is the new america we are we've gone through this crazy painful time and now we have to we have to make some adjustments we have to adjust to this new normal with co you know covid has changed us the election you know the elections and politics have changed us and we have to really start nurturing this thing and i just called the child a thing don't don't at me but you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 we have to nurture this this child. We have to uh, really give you know protect it, and all the while we have to call in the the doctors and the nurses because we are still dealing with some hemorrhaging. We're still dealing with some you know some after care stuff that needs to be done. It's it's a scary time, but this whole entire time of 2020 has been just this long, laborious, painful time, and I'm hoping that. Inauguration day and a little bit beyond that, we can really start course correcting, start getting back to some. I, mean, I don't think we'll ever get back to any form of real normalcy. I really don't. The, the, you know, yeah. you know, I have this. Go ahead, Grandpa. Oh, <laughs> um, I, I was going to say I have this thing that I, I I like to talk about, and I call it. Um, this is going to sound a little weird. I call it the Westboro effect. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, so despite my constant grumpiness and chain smoking and everything else, um, I'm actually a hopeless optimist. I really am. And I, and I really believe that old adage about the arc of history being long, but it bends towards justice. Um, so there's this thing that I call the Westboro effect, right? When I was, when I was a kid, because I'm very, very old, um, it was in to me uh it was inconceivable to me that uh like the idea that there would ever be marriage equality across the entire country like wouldn't even have occurred to me right but what happened these horrible people westboro baptist church 
came along and just did horrifically ugly things. And it made all of these people in the quote unquote middle look at themselves and look at their positions and say, ah, crap, I actually have to pick a side. And I know I'm not on those assholes side. Right. And I think that Westboro Baptist Church might have been one of the most influential organizations in the eventual uh, victory of marriage equality. I, I believe and I, I believe and I hope that Donald Trump and these jackass nationalist gangs and uh, uh, all of all of the hate that we've seen over the last four years. I hope that that's like the mother of all Westboro effects and that what we're moving towards is a lot of people who've been stuck in the lukewarm middle saying no, fuck that. I'm not part of that. Um, and I hope that what it's moving is, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, not lukewarm. Lu- lu- lukewarm is fire. Uh, but, uh, but, I, but yeah, no, seriously, though, I hope that what's happening is that we're moving towards more decency because of the example of such horrific evil. Yeah. Um. I really do think that I, I have to agree with you on that. I've seen more people and including myself, I'm just being blatantly honest. I've told all of you guys that I was before uh, the whole George Floyd aspect. I mean, yeah, I would speak out against uh, certain things that were said from this administration, but with this hot, with everything in the last five months, I was never the type to speak out. I was always the one that would be quiet, stay, you know, be non-combative, would kind of keep my head down. No, I don't want to, you know, don't don't look at me. Don't look in this direction. I'm not one of the ones making any noise. And now it, it's to the point where I can't shut up. And I think that there's a lot of people that are the exact same way, that they never really said anything. And this is kind of push, push them off the ledge of complacency push them off the ledge of uh, being quiet and unspoken. Um, And I will say that one thing that I am incredibly thankful for is that it brought me to all of you wonderful people. Um, Like I- But one one thing you don't give yourself credit for is that while you were being quiet, you were also observing and listening and honing your skills that are making you so, so, beneficial right now so i appreciate that thank you um and, <laughs> uh the the head chef you you said you, you look like you want to say something i mean i was just the exact same way and then i stood in front of an ice bus so it's like <laughs> even before that man some things just hit different they do um you know that that was you know and I, and I mentioned this at the uh, indigenous people celebration uh day that we had uh which was really really rad that's something beautiful that we didn't really fully talk about um but the you know it, all it takes is one person and now where what whether certain people like it or not we are in the history books of central oregon they're going to look at 2020 and they're going to, and there's going to be, it's going to be blackity black, black, black in, in 2020. Um, they're going to see all the, I mean, this is literally the rise of all of uh, the different 
marginalized communities coming together and saying, no, we actually do have a voice. We actually do want to speak up and you're going to hear us. And it also is the rise of our allies and the allies coming in and really saying, yeah, you know what? I do. St I, I stand with them as well. And we're not going to be quiet anymore. That, it, that's a big deal. Um, and it's not going away anytime soon. Um, and actually, really quick, I did want to, you know, we did mention briefly uh, the kickback, um, which was, you know, the big event that we spoke about last week. I did want to mention that that actually was a, an event that was put on by the Central Oregon Diversity Project. I, I did re reference saying that it was our event. When I was saying that, I was talking about the BIPOC community in general, but that was an event that was put on by the Central Oregon Diversity Project, so I did want to put that correction in really quick. Um, but yeah, it, it's, there's, you know, we do have the vote coming up. In, we're almost 15 days out. And we do, you know, we have seen that uh, Trump has said, you know, to his followers, watch the polls. And, you know, he also said in a different instance to the Proud Boys, you know, stand back and stand by. That is an, and that's an issue. Uh, so we're doing, you know, I, I think it's in everyone's best interest here in Oregon. You know, we do have the ballot drop boxes. Um, I've been, you know, I've driven around Bend for the last couple of days and I've driven past a couple of them and they are clear right now. That's good. Uh, I know, and I know that I've seen several people that have said that they have already uh, filled out their ballots and they've already dropped them in. Um, I got mine uh, this past uh, on Friday and I am ready to go put mine in as well. Um, voting, you know, this, I highly encourage everyone to get theirs in sooner than later, get it to the ballot drop box. Um, be on the lookout. There's, so go ahead. What was that, Alice? I already voted. Nice. Voted too. Yay. Yay. Right on. Um, I do know that there are some things that are in the works to make sure that people can get their stuff to the ballot uh, safely. We will be putting some information out uh, if it does come to fruition um, here, hopefully early this week. Um, but we want to make sure that, again, everyone is safe. Uh, we want to make sure that everyone gets to get their vote out. Uh, I mean, it's important. I've, I, yesterday, when I was talking to my aunt, it said uh, I saw that it was like 18 million had voted already. They retouched it. I, yeah, the, 28. We're at 28 oh. million now. I saw that tonight, right before we started. That's insane. That's an insane number. And it's just going to get, uh, you know, to where now they're saying that they're thinking that we will know by like 10.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific time pretty much whether or not it's going to be a landslide or not, which with all the early voting, that blows my mind. Um, but and again, this is yet another uh, record setting change that has never, you know, it's never happened before. Thank you. Probably thanks to COVID, as well as how many people are really ready to see a change in the White House. Uh, I did also see a statistic uh, on Thursday that uh, one in five voters in Georgia that have done early voting have come from uh, predominantly Democratic areas and did not vote in 2016. And then in certain areas in Florida, not Florida, um, I think it's South Carolina, 
or maybe it was a different part of Georgia. Regardless, they also said that one in four. So it's an even larger, you know, it's an even better number that, again, did not vote in 2016, but they were damn sure ready to get their vote in now, and they've already done it. So, I mean, people are waiting in 11 to 15-hour lines to vote over there. And they're like, you know what? I don't care how long we have to be out here. We are getting our vote in. You're going to make sure that it stays open. And people are getting their votes in. And people are, people that are hoping for a red wave are, I mean, they're scattering. They're freaking out. They're like, wait, wait, what? And this is why they want redlining. This is why they want gerrymandering. This is why they want to make sure that they can get any form of legal voter suppression out there because they do not want to hear our voices. And guess what? We about to be really damn loud. And I'm excited. I'm really, really excited. I'm hope. I'm hopeful. Um, I know Luke says hope is not the word. Go ahead, Luke. You, 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 go ahead. Say, say what you're going to say, man. We don't do hope anymore because we just make things happen, no matter how ridiculous they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there, there's some things that I want to talk about that happened also, but I don't think that we're at liberty to talk about just yet, um, involving a tip that came to us that we passed on. Um, but I want and I, I want to talk with the rest of the group before we uh, say that. And I also don't mind just leaving that teaser out there for people to be like, wait, what are they talking about? But it's all good stuff. It's good stuff. Uh, but like like Luke said, we just get stuff done. Um, and things are getting wild. I mean, the conversations that we're having, the uh, people that we're connecting with. I mean, Luke met a senator. Um, that was rad. Yes, exactly. Don't be shy about it. Show it off. That's right. <laughs> Can we talk about the fact that in one day, gosh, what all happened in that in one in that one day? Luke met a senator. Um, Luke Luke met a senator was oh, honored had, by the credit. We had our water return. Uh, we had another water return for uh, Warm Springs. We could talk about that a little bit. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Um. So, okay. So we did. We spoke about uh, a while on one of the first or second episode. We, we were talking about uh, the issue that we had over at Safeway, where we were uh, trying to collect water, and they told the you know Tammy told us to leave five times, um, and uh, throughout that day, if not more. And then of course the next day they had the whole, or not next day, but like the next week they had the Trump people out there selling stuff. But we ended up going out to Ponder. It was Ponderosa Park, right? Okay, so we went over to Ponderosa Park. And uh, we're doing another water drive for the people of Warm Springs because water return uh, or water return. Yes, thank you. Um, and uh, because they were having some issues uh, because I think a pipe burst and they was letting uh, river water in or something like that, and they had another boil yeah, water that's, order. That's an ongoing issue for them that they've been dealing with um, on and off, and sometimes the boil. Water order only lasts for a couple hours, but within those couple hours, they really deplete their water supply, and they have to have um, up to a 30-day supply for all of their um, Warm Springs community. So it's really important that we uh, return water back to the indigenous people of this land. Yes, uh, because it is, you know, we, we are... Uh, we're just subletting on land that was already theirs. Um, and 
we ended up, I mean, we had the peace wagon uh, out there, right? And that uh, we, we filled that up. And the, but there was so, so much water that we were ready to return to them that we actually had to have additional drivers load up their vehicles and bring it out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, and that, that's dope. Yeah, well, you, got, you guys were there, um, Grandpa and Chef, when that uh, flat came in. Right. Yeah, uh, amazing new friend. I won't say his name because I don't. I don't know if he'd want us to to use his name. But this amazing new friend came out with a flatbed with pallets of water on it. Um, we filled that all up. We had to fill up my car, um, and I was happy to have the problem of needing to drive out on the spot middle of the night out to uh out to warm springs and drop some water off um we we yeah it was it was amazing it was a, it was a great problem to have we had we had too much water we didn't have enough capacity to haul it see and i think that's one thing that i hope people start realizing is the whole purpose of peacekeepers is to help people whether it's help people feel safe whether it's deliver, uh, return water to the people of Warm Springs, whether it's do, uh, assisting with like backpack drives and whatnot, um, or whatever, whatever, whatever the case may be involving, you know, maybe even a little legislation here and there. Um, we are here to do what we can to make sure that people are taken care of, people are safe. And, you know, we, we're crazy enough to come up with some pretty radical ideas that will actually make change and i'm excited for what the future holds i really really am i'm excited to see what i mean we were just talking earlier today about how we have idea uh, idea people and then we have people that make things happen and we work together to actually we see a need i mean alice during the decency project you came up with an idea that was just i mean it was bomb about uh, about i'm an idea person you're an idea person yes <laughs> Um, and you know, it's something that we're going to be working on as well in regards to get, letting the youth have their voice, uh, in city government, you know, and really making sure that, because it's important, you know, I made the joke during the decent project, you know, I started talking about, uh, Whitney Houston. I said, I believe the children are the future and it's true. You know, I mean, it is really, there are so many great voices in this community that we don't have to rely on the same system that we've had for years after year after year after year. We can actually make so much uh, so much of a difference if we stand in front of an ice truck. If we go to the yeah, dab on them, chef. Uh, but uh, if we go to the, the, don't look at me like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But um, no, but, you know, or going in and coming up with legislation that needs change, you know, that will bring change or going out and asking the police chief to come out and just do something as simple as talk to. I mean, and uh, I think it's, it's really just changing our rhetoric and really focusing on the community as a whole, you know you know, our black community, our Asian community, our white community, but also, you know, our disabled community and our, you know, we, we talk about children a lot and, you know, these, you know, at the Decency Project, we heard the first conversation have a lot of little girl um, talk in it, <clears throat> but 
really, you know, stopping the whole child talk, you know, once they turn of conscious age, honestly, you know, speaking to them and treating them as young adults with valid opinions and conversations because like I can't tell you, you know, I'm almost 30 and I I get looked down at at as a as a child because I'm small and young looking. So, you know, as much as I am an a quote unquote adult, um I do speak for the young adult population because I'm still treated like that. So, you know, we really, I'm excited to put that into action personally, just Mm -hmm. getting the, the youth of our city really getting involved because we didn't touch on that last, um, the last diversity project um, case, which was a, I, personally liked it uh it was a vandalism case in mm, in uh, mm, support of project. indigenous lives yeah um this person was vandalizing to wake up the community yeah that one was really uh you know and what i found interesting about that one was when she hit the stage, the the woman that did the vandal uh, the vandalism, she was instantly just in tears. She 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 and she felt you know she, she felt the love was seen, but there was something that she said because she spray I I, I mean it, it is a public case. She spray painted stolen land uh, on the sidewalk, and first the person from Parks and Rec that that spoke, she did mention how. Uh, it was, um, you know, she said, you know, the community, the city government doesn't give the community, uh, you know, people in the community a valid way to actually speak up. I found that very interesting, first and foremost. But the second thing that uh, that was said by the woman that did the spray painting, she said, you know, I had been in Portland, and I had been at the, the protests, and I had been marching, and I've been sprayed with or hit with pepper balls, and I have had, uh, I've been gassed, and all these different things, and then I come back to Bend, and I see people kayaking down the river, and well, there's people in Warm Springs that have no running water, but they're completely oblivious over here, and it pissed me off. And I will say that that was like, okay, you know what? That's a valid reason to get mad. And I think one thing that she learned in that process was to make a statement, but to have clarity of purpose. You know, that was, you know, and that's something that we've been kicking, that phrase we've been kicking around for a while now is you have to have clarity of purpose of what you're doing and what you're trying to change. And, uh, you know, the woman from Parks and Rec was like, you know, your voice actually does need to be heard. People need to hear what you, you know, what you're passionate about. And then uh, there was someone from, uh, you know, that uh, has many interactions. She's 100% uh, indigenous. And she was like, you know, I look at you and if you were my daughter, I would be sitting here with so much pride that you felt so moved to actually try to make actual change and to do something and make a statement and get people to notice. And truthfully it did. Her story does need to be told. We need to, uh, she needs to like some of the things that she said that she prepared, uh, she prepared a written statement was powerful. 
Uh, and it was coming, and I think she, what, 19? Uh, so, I mean, such, with such a young, uh, at such a young age, but having that much passion behind what she wants to do and what she wants to say was, again, it was absolutely powerful. So it was a really, really powerful day. Um, and I hope that we can continue doing these events, the restorative justice, getting people in the community to actually see and hear the stories and actually figure out what the actual motivation is behind activism and people that are, and, you know, whenever these victims, uh, whenever the victims actually have a story that goes along with it, I think it, uh, it humanizes it. It actually lets you see that not everyone is scary Antifa, you know, not everyone is out there to, uh, burn down a building or whatever that they automatically think is what comes along with it, which is, which that's not the case. So I really think that, again, I think we're at this crux in, in this point in history, not just, you know, yes, on a national scale, but also locally as well. I think we are about to see a fundamental change of how things are done in central Oregon. And I know that there's a lot of people that don't, like that idea but screw them because we do need this change it's time it's really really time um so this week coming up i do know that there are a, there's a lot of meetings um again i know we have um another woman's march that's happening on sunday uh and uh but what is there anything else that you guys can think of that the community should know about uh, I do have something to say really quick about the graffiti thing and the yeah. DCC project. So uh, the mayor of Redmond was there, and I'm just going to flat out call it as it was. He's an asshole. He literally decided to say that uh, the graffiti that that young woman did was basically the equivalent to the violence that's happening in Portland. And when, if you think of what the violence that's happening in Portland is, like, just think of what that, like, machine gun tear gas blower they brought out last night. It's not coming from any of the protesters, it's coming from federal agents and the Portland Police Bureau. So the fact that he's so dense in the head to try and equip, just try to make the two match up is just absolutely ridiculous. And I hope he hears this at some point and I hope he expects an email because I will be sending him one this week. Oh. There we go. Um, well, and well, you know, I mean, honestly, you know, I, go, ahead. go. Oh, I just want to jump in real quick because uh, because what Luke said is so important, and uh, the the young woman had such a great answer for it. Um, when the mayor of Redmond said, "You're bringing the violence of Portland to Central Oregon," um, she just looked at him and just said, "How can a sidewalk experience violence?" And I just thought that was the perfect answer. When she said that, I was like, oh, well, and if you notice, she said that and he stood up and walked out. And, and, and then he came back and he stood because we were still addressing his question and he stood at the back. But then I don't think he stayed for the rest of the event. Uh, I think I think he bounced after that. And, and that was like, a big disappointing part of it all was that it was optional. So, you know, people were allowed to just leave when they got upset which you know i did actually stand up and walk out for a second because i got so triggered with the first guy um <clears throat> with the trump situation um and the no systemic racism when he said that i i really like 
had to get up to prevent myself from eye rolling and making, you know, a scene. Um, but, you know, I, I had to sit there and stew in it and feel all the emotions that it triggered in me. So it was really unfair that, you know, they chose to not. It was unfair to themselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, really, when we when you look at how everything went uh, with that for the for the rest of the for the rest of the decency project, uh, there were some really, really good conversations. There were really good uh, audience conversations uh, from uh, some of the other groups that uh, some of the other uh, communities, they actually stood up and they spoke on uh, some of those things. And but yeah, that one that part of it really kind of just burned me a bit when he said, "Why are you bringing this violence to Central Oregon?" And she and again, her answer was perfect when she said, uh, "How can a sidewalk receive violence?" You know, I mean, and that was and that shut it down immediately. Um, so it, it, again, we have a lot that is coming. We have a lot that uh, you know that we are working. There's a lot of uh, wheels that are turning right now and i think that uh it's only going to i mean yeah we may have some things that we run into here and there but i think that it's only going to get better um and you know you can hop on the train with us and ride that out or you can just you know just do your own thing but we but we all are all just trying to work toward the same goals we want the same thing we want equality we want to feel safe we want people in this community to feel safe and when we say we want the people we want everyone to feel safe all of us um and just because your candidate uh loses and by your candidate i mean trump just because he loses does not mean that your world is going to end it, it, it doesn't. If anything, it means that there's going to be more equality for everyone else. And if that's the thing that bothers you the most, like you, like we touched on earlier, the Women's March, there were no counter-protesters. You start talking about Black Lives Matter, then all of a sudden people out there are trying to stop it. If that's what you're really worried about, well, we're not, again, we're not going anywhere. Uh, but uh, final words, anyone, any hot takes? If not, we will go ahead and call this one good. Um, anyway, so thank you guys so much for, uh, listening to another episode. Uh, you guys, you know, you guys as listeners, you guys are great. I know that you guys, are, some of you have shared out, uh, the show, uh, we saw a, a bit of an uptick in listeners this past week. So thank you so much for that. I continue to share it out. Uh, we have a couple of other great ideas that are coming down the uh, pipeline, but we'll get to those here in a little bit. But uh, until the next episode, next week, we will, and who knows, maybe next week we'll do a pre, because next week will be the last show before the elections, yeah? Okay, so we need to do a little uh, a little pre-election. Uh, yeah. Episode. Yeah, we, 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 we got some good stuff coming then. Um, but until next time, uh, I am Vic, your host, joined by uh, Alice, the Antifa soup tester, the head chef of Antifa, grandpa of Antifa, and our cat of Antifa. Everyone say goodnight. We'll talk to you guys on the next episode of Peace and the Peace. Peace out. Did you just say toodles? Bye. <laughs>